said, God's doing great things. God's doing great things in your life. We're believing God for great things in your life. Hey, guys, welcome home. That the Ucho is back in the house. Well, God is good. You know, um, as we get ready for the holidays, just remember that Adopt-A-Family is taking place. And we want you to participate and to have the opportunity to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing. Amen? So uh, pick up the forms at the information kiosk. Let's, let's, let's do it. We're known for people who make a difference, and we, we really want to make a difference. Amen? If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, if you hold your hand up, the issues will bring you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God. If you've got your Bible with you today, let's stand together. We're going to make a confession and get in here. Amen? Stand up. Hold your Bible up in the air. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I will do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. Father, we magnify you. Amen. Well, I love the presence of God. And i got to tell you something. He's in here today. So, whatever it is you need, don't be foolish and walk out without it. Amen. Let, let's, let's be receivers today from God. Amen. God really wants to make a difference in your life. He is positioning you to win and succeed in every given situation. God is doing his part, but it's time that we do ours. Somebody say amen. It's time that we get in agreement with the word of God and that we actually participate with what God's doing, especially in our own life. There's a lot of times I think we'd like to pray a prayer and have God do it while we sleep. But it doesn't work that way. You realize we've got, we have a role that we play. We have to, we have to deal with life as it's coming at us. A lot of times we're under the impression that, uh, God's gonna make all kinds of stuff happen for us. God is in control. God is only in control in the arena of life that you have totally surrendered. And because he's in control doesn't relieve you of your responsibility. He's in control, so now you have to do what he says. Thank you for that great response right there. We've got to do what God says. We got to, you know, James put it this way, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Because if you're a hearer only, you're going to deceive yourself. You're going to look at yourself and the word of God. You're going to walk away and very quickly, you're going to even forget who you are according to the word. Because you're going to be under the impression God's going to make some stuff happen for you. No, God is going to infuse you with an inner strength so that you're ready for and equal to anything that comes your way. Through Christ, he's going to empower you to overcome the world. Remember, the Bible says in this world, there will be tribulation. But, you know, he started that verse off. He says, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. Everybody say peace. Wouldn't you love to have peace? Uh, we're, we're not talking about, you, you know, a little chunk of peace. We're talking about a big old honking selection of it. You know, the, the, uh, so much peace that it swallows your storm. A great peace, a, a huge peace. You, you know, uh, Christmas time, he's called the Prince of Peace. It, it, it's called that all year long. But it, when, you know, in the story where unto you a child is born, his name shall be called Counselor, Mighty God, Wonderful. Uh, Prince of Peace. It's the czar of peace, the one who's in charge of peace. Peace is not a feeling. It's a personality. 
Peace is a is Christ himself. He's the prince of peace. And when you have peace, he said, I'm telling you this so that you can have peace, so you can have a connection with me. God said, I want you to connect with me. I want you to know me in every situation. In the world, there's going to be trouble, but you can relax, be of good cheer. You can have so much joy operating in your life that the enemy can't rob you of your peace. Guys, that's good news right there. That in the middle of life's most hectic situation, it can look like hell has unleashed its fury upon you, but you still have peace because you've got relationship with the Prince of Peace. You can't, you, you know what, if you ever get separated from your peace, you've got to realize you just got separated from the guy you're supposed to be walking with. Psalms 118, the Lord is on my side. Not on my team, on my side. He, he, he's not on your side like he's rooting for you. No, he's on your side like he's walking with you. Micah 6, 8, you know, he's shown you, old man, what is good, that you would love mercy, do justice, and walk humbly with your God. Walking with God. He's right here. He's right, right in the middle of the worst that life has to offer you. We've got peace. Aren't you glad God's on your side? But there is a there is a role that you play is staying connected to God. Probably one of the most uh, unhealthy things that has attached itself to the body of Christ is just a immature, childish attitude. And we're going to deal with it. Amen. Why? Because we got to get to where God wants us. We want to grow. Look at your neighbor and say, I want to grow. Amen. Look back at him and say, I want you to grow. Praise Jesus. Look at first, first Corinthians 13. We're going to look at verse 11. First Corinthians 13, verse 11. And in this scripture, we get the foundation for this teaching. And it says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways. I put them behind me. When I was a child, we could say immature. It's the same word. When I was, when I was young, when I was immature, there was a season when childishness is accepted, it's tolerated, but there comes another season in life when it's no longer acceptable. When I was a child, I talked like a child. My words were childish. My words were immature. My words were weak. They didn't have any strength, any foundation. But when I became a man, I took the weak words and exchanged them for strength. Hello? I, I, you know, everything in your life is founded on, is being based upon word. It's either God's word or it isn't God's word. It's what you've heard. It's what you've been taught. It's what has been put into you. But, you know, you, you don't get to live the life of a victim. You, you can't have a victim mentality that, well, it's not my fault. This is just the way it's always been. And we've always had this issue in our house. You know, my mama had it. And my grandma had it. And my great grandma had it. Well, wait a minute. You can put that away. Matthew twelve thirty five says either make the tree good or make the tree evil. But the tree is going to be known by its fruit. You get to make a choice whether you're going to live in maturity or immaturity. I got to tell you that when you're in immaturity, it feels good for a little bit. But the result is not the desired result that you have in your heart. In order to get God kind of results, we got to move away from childish behavior and grow up. You know, there's a difference between childishness and foolishness. 
When a child makes a mistake and, 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 and he's an heir, you know, we accept that because he's a child. And then we train the child so he doesn't do those things, right? But if that child continues to do things that he's been trained not to do, he's no longer being childish. Now he's being foolish. It's no longer childishness. It's foolishness. Jesus said, if you hear these words of mine and do them, you're wise. If you hear these words of mine and don't do them, you're foolish. We can't live in foolishness and expect to get the results of wisdom. Right? So all we got to do is make a choice. I've got a choice to make that, you know, it's like Deuteronomy 30:19 said, I put in front of you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose one. I know that a lot of us think that the curse, that the, that's just something that happens, that we don't have a, any, any role in it. No, if you're living blessed or unblessed, that's the result of your choices. You know, Shelby could have married anybody she wanted to, but she chose me. So now she's blessed. See how that works? <laughs> you, you know, you got a choice. You can leave here today and you can be filled with joy or you can be depressed. You have a choice. No, I don't. It's circumstances around me. No, it's not what's going on around you that matters. It's what's going on inside of you that makes a difference. We got to get we got to get on the inside and get some things fixed so that regardless of what happens on the outside, I'm going to tell you what, you can change what's going on on the outside. But first, you got to change what's going on on the inside. Because it doesn't make any difference. You can, you can take a bitter, negative person, and you can take them and put them in the middle of the most positive people on the face of the planet, and it won't be long till that bitter, negative person comes out of there and tells you what's wrong with those positive people. What, where does the change need to occur? In our heart. We've got to, we got to put some things away. I talk like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. My words were like, you know, foolishness. My thoughts were foolishness. My emotions were based on foolishness. So now my choices were based on foolishness. Now my actions were based on foolishness. Now my habits are based on foolishness. Now my character finds its foundation in foolishness. And I'm expecting a wisdom result. It's not going to happen. But God, you promised. Yeah, but God needs your participation. God needs you to engage in what he's doing. And he needs you and I to put some things away. Look at your neighbor and say, put that away. You know, one of the things that we talked about last week that we got to put away, we, we got to put away living by sight, right? The number one thing that's going to help us realize that we're growing is that we understand how to live by faith. I'm not talking about having a magic wand that gets you what you want and, and when you want it and how you want it for as long as you want it. Faith is not simply believing regardless of the circumstances, obeying regardless of the consequence. Living a life of faith is hearing God's word. You know, all through the Old Testament, we read the words hear and do, hear and do, hear and do, hear and do, and it shall go well with you. Hear and do, and you shall go in and possess the land. When? When you do what you've heard. When you get into the New Testament, it's almost as if they make a new assumption. If the Greek language works a little bit differently, and it just assumes that when you hear, you're going to do it. To hear God. Mark 4.24. Mark 4.24. Let me just read this to you. Well, I'll have to have those, won't I? Mark 4, 24. 
Matthew, Mark, you going there? Mark 4. Starts off and says, be careful what you hear. Be careful what you hear. Give care to what you hear. Listen, what you hear is going to either make you or break you. So make sure you understand. See, the word hear right here means to understand. So be careful what your understanding is. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. More will be given to you who hear. More. You get understanding, all of a sudden you get more understanding. Look at verse 25. For to him who has will more be given, and from him who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. How do you take something away from somebody who ain't got nothing to be taken? To him who has nothing, even what he has shall be taken away. How do you take it away? He has nothing. No, the deal is, is that you've got some things, but if you don't know you have them, then when the enemy comes and takes them, you don't even realize they're gone. And you have an enemy who flaunts it in your face, and you don't even recognize that what he's got is actually yours. Why? Because we don't understand. We don't understand what God has given us. We don't understand the blessings that God's poured upon our life. We don't understand the authority that we have. We don't understand the victory that belongs to us. We've got to move away from a life of not understanding and step into a world where we get passionate about pursuing a realization, a revelation of God's Word and how it applies to my life. So I can live according to the Word of God. i got to live by faith. Well, if I'm going to live by faith, and I'm going to walk with God. If I'm going to be in agreement with God, i got to know what God says. What does He have to say about this situation? How does He lead me and guide me through this, this area of life? David said, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. Somebody needs to turn the lights on. Come on, guys. We've got to live by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, Live by faith. The next thing we talked about is that we have to understand worship, that worship is a manifestation of love, that when we're worshiping God, we're not talking about just singing slow songs. We're talking about living a lifestyle of self-sacrifice, of, of, of giving ourselves so that God can be exalted, a lifestyle of worship, understanding that when we move into the presence of God, you, you know, in, in uh, Psalms 8, Verse 2, it says that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength that you might silence the enemy. Your enemy is silenced as you worship God. The word worship means to sit at one's feet. Even as a dog sits at his master's feet, licking his master's hand. It is to rivet one's mind and attention on someone or something. What has your attention? If we're going to live a lifestyle of worship, God's going to have our attention. Have you ever found yourself, and you don't have to respond to this question right now, but just think. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you couldn't see God? Well, the enemy's tactic is to use all kinds of circumstances and situations to distract you so that you lose sight of God. Because you don't see him doesn't mean he isn't there. There are things in this room that are in this room just because you haven't ever seen them don't mean they're not here. It means that you just haven't looked at it. So when the Bible says that we are going to look at the things which are unseen, we don't look at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are unseen are eternal. There are some things that last forever in your life, but you've got to learn to look at them. You've got to learn to see it. You've got to learn to see God. Even in the middle of what you're asking God to get you out of, how could God fulfill his will if he can't use you there? If you can't see God there, 
Maybe, maybe, just a thought, it might be possible that you actually wound up in the mess that you're in on purpose, that God's going to use you there. Maybe before we ask God to get us out of the mess, we ask him if there's anything we could do before we leave. Just a thought. If we're living a lifestyle of worship, we're not after our purpose and our desire. We're after his. So it doesn't make any difference whether we're comfortable or not. You know, in our culture and in our society, one of the things that is plaguing our, uh, our, our society is, is this mindset of comfort. That we, 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 want, we want everything to be easy. We want everything to be fast. We don't want to have to invest. We don't want to have to work. We don't want to have to sweat. The problem is, is that you don't get kingdom results with a democratic mindset. See, in, in the kingdom, God's in control. And he really didn't send Jesus to come down, to be whipped, to be scourged, to be nailed to a tree. To die and to be raised from the dead. He really didn't send Jesus down here just to make you and me happy. But there was a purpose that was much bigger than our enjoyment. Now, I realize that, that God said, that Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life. But we don't even know how to enjoy life when we think it's about us. It really isn't all about me and about you. There are times when, isn't it funny how, how easily we, we maneuver ourselves to a place where we just live for us? It's all about me. Christmas is coming. I'm making my list. It's like my prayer list. This is what I want. This is when I want it. This is the color I want. And we'll go to conferences and we'll buy tapes and we'll learn how to pull by faith things into our life that we want. What would happen if we spent... 30, 60, 90 days going into the presence of God and saying, okay, we're here to get your list. Talk to me now, Lord. What do you want? What color do you want it? When would you like it? And we started living to bring something to God. I guarantee you that you'd feel like you just won the lottery. Because God is a reciprocator. You do realize that God does not respond to need. What? There's things I need. Right. Think about the need represented all around the world. If God responded to need, man, some of these countries that, uh, you know, that they'd just be having an outpouring of God. God doesn't respond to need. God, God responds to faith. Faith is obedience regardless of the consequence. Faith finds its roots in a heart of worship. When we understand faith and worship, all of a sudden we tap into the power of God. There are some things you need, and you're not going to get it because you need it. You're going to get it because you do what he said, right? When I do what he said, he produces what he promised, Every single time. When does God produce his promise? After I obey. Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. Remember, to hear is to respond. It's to do what he said. When you obey, it opens the door for God's involvement. But before you ask God to do what he can do, you've got to be willing to at least do what you can do. Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. Just realize that you can have great need, but until you have great faith. Great obedience. 
doing it for God, not for you. God's not a vending machine that if you put the right amount in and pull the right lever, you're going to get what you want out of him. No, man, we live for God. Immaturity. It's immaturity that's waiting for God to, to roll in like a Santa Claus and give me what I want. It's immature to live that way. It's immature to think that Jesus came and died on a cross so I could have a good hair day. It's immature to, to believe that, that all of this has been orchestrated and put together because God wanted me to collide with a brand new Lincoln Town Car. No, there's way more to what God's doing than my life. Now, my life's going to be blessed. The Bible says that when I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things are going to be added to me. Everything is going to be attracted to my life. Why? Because I'm on track with God. When I seek the kingdom and his righteousness, that's his way of doing, being, and living right. When I do it right... Acts 16.31 in the message. Put your entire trust on the Master Jesus. Then you'll live life the way you're supposed to. And your whole house too. Well, you know when we're going to start living right? When our entire trust is on God. When we reason that we do what He's telling us, what He's asking us. When we, when we care more about what He wants than what we want. Because we realize that all God wants for me is what's best. He wants to bless me. It's His plan to prosper me, not harm me. His plan to give me a hope and a future. So why would I have to go to God and tell Him what I need? I don't need to tell Him what I need. He, he knows what I need. I think I know what I need. When I get what I've asked for, usually it's a mess. Come on, guys. You're praying for what you want. You see it, and you're, you're focused on it, and you've you know, got to have it. You know, raising kids. You know, there have been so many times when, they, when they've just whined and pouted and kicked and snorted and done everything they could to get something. Finally, you, you finally just go, fine. Fine. You want it? You give it to them. Now they've got to take care of it. Now they've got to deal with it. It's two or three days later. They, they don't want anything to do with it. And you, now, now the, the parental responsibility is to make them enjoy what they asked for. Glory to God. Remember that this holiday season. Hallelujah. I've got to keep moving here. You've got to understand your grace. Number three was understanding your grace. Understanding that when you are in the place that God's called you, created you to be, that's where you're going to find fulfillment. That's where you're going to find uh, the ability to overcome in every situation. First uh, Corinthians 15.10 says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. So plug in to who you am. Don't try to be who you isn't. Be who God's called you to be. Don't isolate yourself from the body, but get connected. God has called you to release life into the body. So release life into this body. Number four, we learn to understand that our need for God is greater than our need for friends. You got it? You need God more than you need friends. I said, you need God more than you need friends. I need friends, but I need God more. I, I got to quit trying to, uh, you know, Figure out what people want and learn how to figure out what God wants. I've got to be more obsessed with pleasing God than I am with pleasing people. If, you try, if, you, if you're a people pleaser, you're an idolatry. Because every time you attempt to please people, you'll begin to forget how to please God. So you need God more than you need people. Number five, understand the importance of pressure. 
the importance of pressure. I don't know if I gave this one to you last week, so I'll start here. Start the tape. Okay, here we go. Understand the importance of pressure. Everybody's trying to get out of pressure. Well, if you don't have any pressure in your life, aren't you flat? You know, if we go outside today, get ready to leave, and one of your tires has no air in it, no pressure. Which one creates the problem for you? The one without pressure. If we come up to a guitar and the strings on it and there's no tension on the strings, all we get is But with tension, the right amount of tension, we can make music. See, the, the problem is, is that the same weight that can be used to throw your back out can also be used to make your back stronger. So it's not the weight, but it's how you handle the weight that makes the difference. You need to understand that pressure is actually good for you. I said pressure is actually good for you. Pressure is actually good for you. I've got to say it several times because many of you don't believe me yet. Pressure is actually good for you. Look at John 16, We'll put it on the screen. I've already mentioned it this morning, but these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. God wants you to have peace. But understand that peace is not the absence of pressure. Peace is not the absence of pressure. In this world, there's going to be tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome that already. Well, then why is it still here? So you can demonstrate Satan's defeat. Where did, where did Jesus demonstrate great peace to the disciples? Well, he, when he was found sleeping in the bottom of a boat in the middle of a hurricane. He had great peace in the middle of a storm. That if... If there is no storm, if there's no tribulation, if there's no pressure, then peace has no value. We're always trying to get out of trouble. Haven't you read the book? Psalms. David, David, David wrote a psalm and it said, the Lord is with me in my trouble. God is with me. Well, if God's with me in trouble, why am I trying to get out of trouble? If God's with me in trouble, I ought to be trying to get into trouble. So I can get closer to God. I shouldn't be messed up because there is trouble. I should realize that in the midst of trouble, that's when peace really becomes valuable. Just allow God to be God. Well, if he was God, he'd get me out of trouble. No, if he was God, you'd be focused on him instead of your problem. We've got to learn, you know, immaturity is looking at the stuff. But when I became mature, I put those things away. I realized that life comes with stuff. Challenges, obstacles, warfare, it comes with life. When are we ever going to have it easy? When you die. And if you're not ready to die yet, then deal with it. Because you're going to have trouble. It's just part of the total package. Every day, there's an opportunity to cave in, give up, and quit. That doesn't mean you should take it. It might mean that it's time to get your big boy pants on. Time to take the floaties off and head towards the deeper end of the pool. It's time, time to realize that, you know what? Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. If God be for me, who cares who's against me? Right? I've been struck down, but I can't be struck out. 
depressed and perplexed, but never forsaken. I know who my God is. I'm not going to be messed up because we're having a little hardship today. Well, you don't understand the level of my hardship. Guys, we got to remember the greatness of our God. It's not just the words of a song that we like to sing. It's a reality that we need to demonstrate in, in our daily life. Our God is great. I said, God is great. It doesn't make any difference what's coming against us. God is great. He'll, he'll give us the wisdom, the insight. The, the, he'll give us the map. He'll show us how to maneuver through the challenge. But the fact is, is that God is bigger than the challenge. So it's okay that pressure's here. That's just going to make me stronger. Amen? I'm going to be submitted to God. I'm going to be of good cheer. And I am going to count it all joy. You know, counting it all joy demands big boy pants. Count it all joy when you're falling into different temptations and tests and trials, knowing this, that the working, or that your faith works patience. The ability to remain the same all the way to the end. You know, maybe, maybe we should learn something that when we enter into our next test, if we can remain the same all the way to the end, we might actually pass the test. You might actually get to go to a new level. But just realize that life doesn't get easier. If you're struggling now, wait till you get to where you're going. Remember the guys in the boat with Jesus when they said, don't you care that we're dying? And he got up and spoke to the storm. And then they got to the other side. And the very first thing that showed up was, was a guy with a legion of demons in him. Put me back on the boat. I'd rather deal with wind and water than with Enough demons to drown a whole flock of pigs. You know, there's just certain things I'd rather deal with than, than all of that junk. Well, when you pass the test, you're going to go to a new one. Life is not going to get easier. So you might as well count it all joy. Look at your neighbor and say, pressure is good for you. <laughs> Number six, recognize the, uh, po- uh, the true gifts. Recognize true gifts. We talked about this last week, so I'll just... Touch on it for a second. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful. Be anxious. Be fretful. Be afraid. Be afraid of nothing. I want you to see it this way. Be afraid of nothing. If you're going to fear something, fear nothing. Because with God, nothing is impossible. So if nothing is occurring, you better be afraid because God's not there. Be afraid of nothing. But in everything. Don't try to get out of everything. Try to get into everything. In Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. With thanksgiving, that thanksgiving is not thanking God for what you're asking for so that by faith you can pull it in. But thanking God for what you've got before you ask him for anything more. Make sure that you recognize what you already possess before you ask God to give you something else that you're going to set back on the shelf. It's really important that we live a life filled with thanksgiving. Amen? I said it's important that we live a life filled with thanksgiving. Somebody say, Amen. You know, we need to be celebrating what God has brought into our life. I mean, we need to be celebrating what God has brought into our life. There's relationships that God has connected you with. You need to be thanking God that He has already looked into your future and realized there's people that you need in your life. 
You know, we just need to be filled with thanksgiving. There are days when, uh, when I can tell that I'm getting out of my spirit and into my flesh because I start, I find myself irritable, agitated, you know, just anxious. And, and, and I suddenly realize I'm learning to figure this out. That those are the days that I'm not recognizing the real blessings that God has already given me. I'm starting to take for granted some of the incredible blessing that God has poured into my life. And, and, and it shows up. And I, and I thought that the frustration and that irritability was your fault. But, but it wasn't you. It was me getting out of the spirit and into the flesh. Right? Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Better to be patient in spirit than to be Proud in spirit. So you're going to move into pride when you move out of patience. So when you start to lose your patience, you're stepping into pride. You're beginning to forget what God's blessed you with. You know, I, I bet we could take everybody in this room and really begin to tear down, you know, peel the onion back and look at the incredible blessings that God has given you. And in reality, we should be ashamed of ourselves if we ask for more. Oh, but God, you're blessing those people. Would you look would you look at your life and realize how good God's been? Oh, how what a great God. What a what a great life we have. Come on, let's be thankful for what we have and use what we've got. In agreement with God's plan and God's design. Oh, he's going to bring more. You, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You, you just don't even have to worry about that. I think it's Bible. I think the Bible says don't even worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to put on. Don't even worry about it. Just keep seeking the kingdom. and He's going to continue to add. He knows you have need of these things. Let's just be thankful for what we've got. Just be thankful for what we've got. Amen. Okay, next one. Number seven, understand the value of giving a gift. The value of giving a gift. The word gift means something that is given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. The value of giving a gift. You're giving to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. You've got to realize, you know, immaturity is always looking for something to come to me. But I believe that when we put that away, we'll begin to look for somebody that we can bless. Instead of wanting others to do, we're trying to find something to do for others. You know, the acronym of joy has been around for years. Jesus, others, then yourself. Then you'll have joy. You know, that's great. But it doesn't do any good to have your joy sticker and to be fighting over the toys in the nursery. You know, babies... Take each other's toys by force. And I think when we grow up, we learn how to share and how to give, how to give a gift. You need to understand the value and the strength of giving a gift. Finding a way to bless others. God has blessed us to be a blessing. So God blessed you on purpose. Not so you could hold it, but so you could release it. And when you begin to release into the lives of others, I'm here today to tell you that God will make sure that there's always enough 
for you. In order for you to be a blessing, it only makes sense that you have to be blessed first. So you don't have to try to get blessed. You just have to try to be a blessing. You have to focus. on I'm going to find somebody today. When you get out of bed tomorrow, you're going to find somebody before this day is out. I'm going to bless that person. I'm, I'm going to get them. I, I, I might not even know who it is. Uh, trying to remember the book. I think it's called 29 Gifts. And there was a woman in recent history who had been to all the doctors, who had spent all the money, who had done everything she could, and, and the sickness that was wreaking havoc in her body, there was no cure for. And finally, a woman came to her, and, and a Ph.D., and she was a doctor, and she, she came and she said, Would you give me 29 days? And the lady said, well, what are we going to do? And she said, well, you know, you've tried everything else. Why, do, why don't you give me 29 days? A lot of things that you've tried, you tried much longer than that and got no result. Would you give us 29 days? Now, here's what I want you to do is every day I want you to give a gift to someone. I want you to do something for somebody else. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. Some, some days it's going to be so small, but you... you you just got to give me 29 days. And the lady, in, almost in frustration and desperation, said, whatever. And so she started doing it. And at the end of 29 days, she had succeeded. She had actually gone 29 days. And, and there really wasn't much difference in her physical body. But in her mental attitude, it was so much better that she just continued. There were days that she would go to the mall, and on the way to the mall, she'd swing by the florist, and she'd buy uh, just a bunch of cheap flowers. And she'd stand in the parking lot, and she'd look at other women, you know, coming out of the mall that looked like they were fairly stressed out, and she'd just walk up and give them a flower. And that's all she did. She'd give them a flower. One day, she got a phone call from someone who who had lost a friend, and she went to her home. She couldn't think of what to take, what to give, so she gave her a box of Tissue. That's all she had. So she just took a box of tissue, and that's what she gave. And you realize that it wasn't too much longer before she realized that the pain that she had been dealing with for years had left her body, and that now she felt pretty good. She went back to the doctor. They couldn't find any of the uh, of the things that had created the symptoms. She was actually healed. Do you realize the value, the strength of just giving a gift? There's something about love. See, when all of these things really tie together. This, this lifestyle of worship, love never fails. Love never fails. And worship is a manifestation of love. And when your eyes are riveted on God, your attention is on God, when you are becoming like God, God so loved the world, He started giving. When you live to give when you stop living like a taker your immaturity is always trying to take something get something find something you know upset really you know would never come right out and say it but when you see someone in the parking lot with a new car it just eats at you I should. I deserve one. It should be mine. I, I, I've worked hard, too. I've been good, too. I ought to have that. And that is an indicator on the inside of us that it is time to grow up. we got to live to give and understand the importance of a gift. Why don't you take 29 days? Give a gift every day. See what it does to you.
Maybe, maybe, maybe this is for people on the CD that are going to listen to it online or something. Maybe it has nothing to do with us. But maybe there's an attitude that's like a cancer inside of us that needs to be withered up and we could release real health into our own life if we just started living to give. Number eight. I got to do eight because I need your help here. Understand the power of forgiveness. Okay, so if I'm messing with your head, forgive me. Forgive. Understand forgiveness. See, I believe that mature people empowered of God know how to forgive, how to release the past and put issues to bed. Understand that forgiveness has nothing to do with the past and everything to do with the future. For give. We already talked about the word give or gift, something that's given to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. For in advance, prior to, forgive is to give a gift in advance to someone who's done nothing to deserve it. See, forgiveness is all about the future. It really has nothing to do with the past. The forgiveness releases someone to enjoy a future with you that had you not forgiven them, they would not have that opportunity. You received forgiveness of sin over 2,000 years ago. You hadn't sinned yet. You hadn't been born yet. You weren't a glimmer in your daddy's eye yet. But God released forgiveness to you. Forgiveness reaches into the future and wipes the slate clean. Well, wait a minute. What about the past? What can be done about that? Someone's offended you. Someone's hurt you. Someone's robbed from you. Someone, you know, whatever. How do, how do they fix that? You can't, you can't change the past. You cannot alter the past. You can only take the past to the altar. You can, you can go to God and ask God to help you forget. But the fact is, is that forgiveness unlocks future. It's all about tomorrow. See, when I forgive you, now all of a sudden, we still have a future. When I forgive you, I have a future. Because according to the word of God, if I don't forgive, God can't even hear my prayer. So if the enemy can't get you to live in sin, he'll get someone to sin against you so that you will walk in unforgiveness and he'll still paralyze you by causing you to live the life of a victim. But if you refuse to have a victim mentality, you can walk in victory. Because now... You're not controlled by the actions of others. You've released them. You're going to let God deal with that. Well, isn't forgiveness saying that I'm I'm wrong and you're right? No, forgiveness is saying I'm smart, even though you were stupid. Forgiveness is saying I'm going to be doing what God's called me to do. I'm going to walk in wisdom. I'm not going to be contained by my past. I am going to release my future. Understand the power of forgiveness. Immaturity doesn't want to forgive. Immaturity always wants to bring up the past. Immaturity is going to remind us of everything that we've ever done wrong. It uses the past as a weapon. But maturity says, you know what? It's a choice I have to make. And I choose to make a life choice. And number nine, last one I'm going to give you. Understand change. It's an understanding that we've got to develop. An understanding of change. 
how to cope with change. Change isn't easy. But listen, cities change, families change, churches change, employers change, employees change, spouses change, kids change. We've got to learn to deal with change. Nobody likes the process of change. Everyone loves the product of change. Companies that refuse to change, we can't remember their name. Companies that continue to change stay vital and important to us on a daily basis. We've got to learn to change. Growth is change. If you're uncomfortable with change, you're not going to grow. If you can't deal with change, you're going to be stuck where you are the rest of your life. And you're going to look around someday and wonder how come you're all alone. It's because everybody else changed. We've got to deal with change. God wants to change you. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Be changed from the inside out. God wants to change us. He wants permission to cause change to occur. One more scripture. Listen to this. Got to read it from the book. Just, just, want you to, just want you to have a little Bible today. Isaiah 60. Arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. God has a new life for you. Happy New You. God has a new life for you. Arise. Change your Perspective. It's actually what the word means. Change your perspective. Change the way you see it. Change the way you're looking at it. Change you. You know, people, relationship issues, financial issues, physical issues, whatever it is you're dealing with. Change the way you look at it. Get out from under the weight and, and, and the depression. And the brokenness, get up on top of this thing. Get up to the life where God's called you to live. God's calling us to a new life. Real life. Let's go get it. Let's not just settle in and, well, this is just the way it's always been. No, let's change. Let's, God's empowered us with the ability to change. Let's change. Let's be transformed. Let's be renewed. Let's be refreshed. Let's be restored. Let's be revived. Let's make a choice. Oh, I'm praying for revival. I meet with pastors all across the state every month to pray for revival. But my honest belief is that revival occurs in people who participate. So God started me. Change me. Change me. Change the way I look at it. Change the way I see it. Change the words I use to describe it. Change the thoughts I use to think about it. Change the reasoning that I use to choose about it. And now all of a sudden, the end result, 100% different, and better, stronger, and eternal. Amen? Will you bow your head and let me pray for you?
Maybe the first change that we have to deal with is in the arena of relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you don't even have relationship with God.